Hello everybody and welcome to the technical area, your weekly football manager podcast brought to you by me, your host, Gaffer Graham once again. I hope you're keeping well. I hope that despite, you know, the the light at the end of the tunnel, we're all obviously, you know, tempering expectations and all living, you know, in that little bit of caution, but that positive optimism, knowing that you know, the world is trying to come back to normal in the foreseeable future in that touch and distance and I suppose the excitement of the return of the Bundesliga this evening and that's something I really really can't wait for obviously it's going to be strange football no fans but from what I've heard fan noises goal celebration music are all going to be pumped into the stadium so I suppose that brings back that kind of little bit of uh, normal in some way I suppose though you know it's not going to be the same. Many of those banners say football without fans is nothing, but I think at the minute fans won't be complaining. In terms of Bundesliga teams and who to support, I think a lot of people will be looking at me and expecting me to say Schalke, and that was the way I was inclined, that was the way I was leaning towards all week. But then, of course, you know, they had their little bit of a Twitter, I don't know what you'd call it, campaign to recruit Premier League fans from all the Premier League clubs, drawing up tentative reasons of why you should support. If you support this Premier League club, then you should support the Schalke. And when you tell fans of a, a rival club, the club you support in, in the Premier League, which for me is Liverpool, that you'll never walk alone as banned here too, and that your link to Liverpool is, oh, uh, you have one of our old defenders, and oh yeah, your managers. We don't really like him, but his best friend is our manager. It's it's hard to take kind of a, a little bit of a. I know it's all made in jest, I know, but it's hard to still take just being told those little bits and pieces. You know, try to recruit you, especially when what they're saying to other fans of other clubs as well. So, as far as my Bundesliga allegiances are, I I don't know. Suppose Dortmund would be the logical choice, considering that they're in fact a team that love. You'll never walk alone. There is that strange bond. Those great, you know, great Europa League quarter final there back in twenty sixteen. It was the site of Liverpool's two thousand and one UEFA Cup golden goal win over Alaves. So I don't know. Have to wait and see. Maybe I'll get a Bundesliga job again or football manager, and I can find myself after. Somewhere new, I can, uh, you know, put my allegiance to somewhere else. In terms of football manager, though, this week I have been playing a fair bit, I've gotten a bit more into the game than I have normally over the last couple of weeks. But it's been a very, very tough week, and I think a lot of people are feeling the same. I think since there's a bit of an update, I'm not sure. I know my Steam updates every time I turn it on, so I don't know what's updating there, but. In terms of set-piece goals, I have conceded so many goals from set-pieces this week and from crosses from a header to the back post. It has been a torture. For a team that kept so many clean sheets last season, we can't keep one at the minute for love nor money. 16 games into the season, I think we've got six clean sheets, which is like a desperate, desperate... Uh, return considering how good we were last season we've given away plenty of penalties pushes from set pieces that's been very frustrating 
I've lost several key players to injuries. I've had so many disallowed goals, I don't know where to go. It's just been a total, total roller coaster of a week in football manager. And I've even had to make use of the Joker transfer window in France by signing a Joker. So for those of you unaware, in France, between transfer windows, you're allowed to sign one player from a domestic club. Of course, you can register them in your domestic uh, squads. But when it comes to playing at um, continental level, that doesn't exactly work. Which made my Real Madrid away leg very, very difficult because I had no fit left backs. Both left backs getting grilled out for at least a month. Mayusa for one month. Manning is out for six. And so I had to go out and sign uh, Davide Santon from Stade de Reim. Just to come in and give us a bit of cover, but you know, going away to the Bernabeu. We uh it was very much of a, a patchwork squad trying to put square pegs into round holes just to try and get us out there on the pitch. So hopefully, you know, the winter break is looming. The next session will start with the final Champions League game against Krasnodar. All we have to do is make sure we don't lose that match and we will go into the Europa League, finishing third in the group. Um, so hopefully we get that little bit of luck. Hopefully we can get ourselves going again and can you know rally a little bit because I don't think the board are too impressed with how things have been going this season. I don't think the board have been very happy with some of the results that we've been getting. So it's disappointing. I'm disappointed, but that's football, isn't it? You know, we look at our squad for competing in the Champions League and hoping to maintain what we did in the league last year. We weren't exactly ready is something I've realised now but like when I've been saying there about putting square pegs into round holes I suppose one thing I could have done is I could have re-examined my tactics and looked and see if I could play the game in a different way an asymmetric formation may have been something I could have looked to have used and so and that's going to be one of the places the inspiration for this podcast has come from asymmetric tactics are the talk this week and that's after I've took a long, hard look at how I balance my team. So tactical conversations normally seem to be boxed into focusing on symmetrical styles and shapes. An even distribution of players from left to right. You look at Sky, BT, whichever broadcaster it is. When they're putting up the starting 11 of a team. It's very, very rare that you'll see an asymmetric formation being displayed. For most of us, when we look, we do see a standard 4-4-2, whatever it is. It seems that these crude shapes have come to define football. You might hear pundits suggest, oh, he's going to tuck in from the left, he's going to cut in from the right, he's going to stretch the play out. He's going to roam from his position. But nonetheless, the shape still stays with this crude, rudimentary definition of how football is to be played. And I know myself, I'm as guilty of it as well. When I'm at a match and you hear the team called out, you're trying to figure out who's playing where. Not realising, of course, you know, there is a different game plan afoot. But still, the way the football brain has been conditioned we're all conditioned to think in these rudimentary boxy uh, crude shapes because underneath the hood when you go into that detailed tactical analysis 
and examine and highlight the roles and duties of players and how they perform in certain games and their associated movements throughout matches, a single match, no matter what it is. This can highlight a tactical system that is far more fluid than the restrictive numbers put on the system. As humans, we have a built-in regard and love for symmetry. If you look at uh, some of the psychologists who examine the human brain, the human mind, it seems that for us as humans, we tend to be more attracted to people who have what are considered symmetrical faces. So the more symmetrical a face, the more attractive you're, you're, you can be considered to be. Now, when it comes to symmetry, I know it's something that, you know, I long for in some, some in some ways. As a teacher, you're teaching children art. And I can do a fabulous drawing on, if, if I'm trying to try and make something symmetrical, half it may be fantastic. Then when I go to try and do it on the other side, I'm looking going, uh-oh. Like, even if it's a circle on the board in maths. And I can see, you can clearly see how good one side of the circle is and the other side is not. So there is that inbuilt, I, I can recognise it myself outside of football that I have this inbuilt regard and this inbuilt longing and love for symmetry. But when football thinking and chatter seems to be confined at the surface level to the restrictive analysis that confines the talk of the game, the way the game is kind of given to us, the normal people, the viewers, the fans. I think for me, and for all of you, and that's why I'm hoping to do on this podcast, is that it's time to go further. It's time to really get in there and really look at how asymmetrical football really is. Now, of course, I have done my research for this podcast when I am getting into the thick of it. So, Anything I do, anything I say, a lot of it can be attributed to many different places. And of course, all those sources will be found down below. Sources that will have informed my discussion to make sure that I'm sharing with you the most factual and the most detailed opinions that I can find on the topic. Without, of course, getting into too much detail because we are within the confines of the podcast as well. Keep it interesting and work underneath the self-imposed time frame that we do have but well, i'm going to give the first word really here to jonathan wilson and articles from the guardian that date back to 2009 formations are useful but crude tools to give a general idea of shape more relevant to those of us describing the game than those playing it they are not platonic ideals to which sides should attempt to live up to insist a side playing what we for instance call 4231 must have a winger on each side is to allow the cart to drive the horse. For in fact, asymmetry dates back to the first international between England and Scotland in 1872. And as the England lineup featured four players simply listed as middle, two as left side, and one as right side. It shows that there was an imbalance and an asymmetry to the players selected and to the tactical shape. So there is an interesting place to begin. Knowing that football, and even in its 
oldest and most rudimentary forms, asymmetry was present there. Now, whether this was down to the availability of players or not at the time, that is up for discussion. But nonetheless, this England side had one player on the right, two players on the left, and one player centre. Gets us thinking, knowing that maybe this self-imposed symmetry is a modern fixation with the game. Because in those early days of football, players in certain positions were often asked to cover spaces left by deficits in others. And this gave a semblance to an unbalanced system. Though ideologies such as the original WM formations arose from this, as players adjusted to fill the gaps left, the deficits left by players in other positions. As FM players, we have a blank canvas to work from in the tactical creation tool, with the tactical creating tool. Yet, no matter how creative our tactical ideals and strategies are, they are confined by the restrictions placed on the parameters of the game. We are rarely tasked with taking on an opponent who lines up with an asymmetrical formation. However, if we were to delve into the details of the game afterwards, it's clear to see how asymmetric our opponents played against us. Scout reports now highlight the player roles of the opposition when we are about to face them. This can give us an insight into how asymmetric our opponent will be, and it gives us a good contrast when looking afterwards at how accurate those reports are. And not only how accurate those reports are, but the correlation between the players selected in specific roles and how they performed those roles in those positions against our team, against our style, against our asymmetry. Through roles and player instructions within a formation, we can create a symmetrical tactic that does not act that way. When we set up with an asymmetric formation, we open ourselves up to new possibilities and a new way of thinking. And I suppose most interesting is seeing that this asymmetry ideology, this asymmetry way of thinking, it extends from, you know, the elite all the way down. And there was a place that I began talking earlier on this week with the first weirder community question on Monday. Using a tweet that I'd seen over the weekend from Elikim Mangala. And it was given Mangala's asymmetric formation in Football Manager in his recent tweet. It's gotten me thinking about symmetric and asymmetric shapes. So the first question was, do you use symmetric or asymmetric shapes in FM20? Interestingly enough, 79.7% of voters said they prefer and they do use symmetrical shapes. But 20.3% go for the asymmetrical shape. FM Grasshopper adding, I voted symmetric despite it being nigh on impossible to ever achieve it in real life and in football manager. And that was a really, really interesting point that got me really thinking and got me looking at my shape even further. We'll get into more of that in a moment. Alan Hindley, that's at Radcliffe seventy eight. The red hurts my eyes. I know I don't. I'm not a particular fan of seeing red on the pitch that are not covering areas. But after the recent uh, Gasparini at Atlanta podcast that I've done, I've adopted a similar shape of three to two 
1-2 or 2-1 depending on availability of players and there is a fair bit of red out wide kind of where the opposition fullbacks would be but so I suppose and there's nothing like a field of green that's what I said to Alan as well but nonetheless sometimes we just have to cope with you know there will be red there will be areas on the pitch where we just don't have that much influence Black CFM getting the final word here on that question saying there is no need for a poll on this as asymmetric is the only valid response hard to disagree when you look at the information you look at the research and you look at how asymmetry really exists in football because even going back to that 2009 campaign that Jonathan Wilson was referring to England under Fabio Capello did not have a depth of quality on the left of midfield while balancing Gerrard and Rooney two players in the center of the pitch who would often occupy the same space was also an issue going into the 2010 World Cup campaign. Going back even further, Helene Herrera's Inter Milan, they had a marauding left-back while the right-back was more conservative, as such tucking in at times to become a de facto right-sided central defender. So there's an asymmetry again going back to one of the great Inter Milan teams. And I suppose really what that asymmetry did for Herrera, what the asymmetry did for Capello, what the asymmetry can do for us, is it can accommodate players' lack of inclination towards certain tasks on a pitch. In England, it's actually a natural thing when you don't when you cast your mind back not too far. To have one wide midfielder and an overlapping fullback opposite to a more out and out traditional winger and a conservative fullback behind. In that atypical English 4-4-2 that we've seen dominate football in England for so long, it wasn't uncommon to have an asymmetrical shape in midfield. You know, from what I grew up with, from the stories I heard, from the videos I saw, those glory years of Liverpool in the 70s and 80s, there was an excite, often an exciting left-winger Opposite to a narrow, hard-working right midfielder. With John Barnes and Steve Highway being two standouts on that left-hand side. And, you know, the likes of Ray Kennedy possibly tucking in on from the right. There was an imbalance to the team. Well, in terms of shape, maybe. But not an imbalance to the team and how it performed. So although there's the symmetry and the asymmetry were there. Balance was still not affected by the fact that this shape was not balanced across the pitch. Because in those days, if you look back really, it's not a 4-4-2. But it's not a 4-3-3 either. It's kind of somewhere in between. And for those of you who could be fans of South American football, who love watching the Brazilians and that, we were all accustomed to that Brazilian box, the 4 2 2 2 2. Asymmetry is built into that system. Asymmetry is a foundation of that system. That atypical 4 2 2 2 is defined by the movements of certain players in certain positions in certain ways. There's a different expectation on the left sided attacking midfielder than there is on the right. There is a 
more kind of fluid understanding and a more fluid expectation of what it is they will achieve. An asymmetry even permeates cultural uh, expectations of players in certain roles. Spain has a tendency towards attacking right-backs, with right-wingers often acting as a right-sided forward. While in Italy there is an inclination that the attacking left-back, going back even like the Hilario Herrera Inter Milan side, where the marauding left-back, that this attacking left-back would almost play like a winger, while that left-sided midfielder, that left-sided forward, would then tuck in and become an inside forward. And this in Italy has given, you know, there is an, a name given to this asymmetry. And I know there's certainly one FMer out there who be, who's aware, takes this system very close to his heart. But it's Zona Mista. A style of play seen in Italy from the mid-1970s to the mid-90s. What Zona Mista is, it's regarded as a tactical evolution of Catanaccio. Zona Mista requires each outfield player to perform systematically and simultaneously the zonal marking, the changing of positions, and the continuous attack on the spaces, characteristic of total football, but also engaging in the defensive, individual marking characteristic of Italian football. In this system, the player who moves out of his position is replaced by another from his team, thus retaining the team's intended organisational structure and each player performs a different function. So what Zona Mista is basically, fundamentally, simply put, several players simultaneously play roles in both attack and defence. In Zona Mista, there are four defenders. A sweeper is free to roam and assist other defenders. A fullback plays in both defensive and advanced position, typically on the left flank. The two stoppers, who started then to be called centre-backs, mark their zones. In midfield, there there is a defensive midfielder, a centre midfielder, and the playmaker, the regista, the number 10, and a winger who typically covers the right flank and sometimes acts as an additional striker. Zona Misa employs a two-prong attack. A centre-forward plays up front, a second striker plays wide to the left, a derivation of Catanaccio's left winger and drifts inside to act as a striker or to cover the playmaker when the playmaker drops into a defensive position. A fluid system, a structured system, a system that has clearly defined roles, a system that brought a clear amount of success, but also an asymmetric system. In its 4-3-3, like we said, the right back tucks in. The sweeper roams. The left wing back pushes forward. The defensive midfielder screens. The box-to-box midfielder and the regista have a, have a side midfielder outside of them. Box-to-box midfielder giving the energy. The regista giving the creativity. The second forward drifts from the left. And the centre forward remains as the focal point. But that's when you put that crude numbering system on a 4-3-3. Because some other people might regard it as a 3-5-2. With three central defenders. With that sweeper at the libero behind. 
a wing back on the left side. On the right side, a side midfielder. Three centre midfielders, your box-to-box midfielder, your defensive midfielder, your regista. Your two strikers, a roaming forward and a centre forward. And that's 3-5-2 and the 4-3-3 I gave you. They are the same shape. It's just what is your definition? What is your interpretation? What is the restriction that you place on that system and how it pans out? The imbalance in that Zonomista system is created intentionally. So that's what I asked the community then as well. If you're creating an, an asymmetrical shape, you're intentionally creating an imbalance. Where do you look to overload? Where is your control being put? And unsurprisingly, 70% of the community, 70% of ours said it's centrally, and 30% said the flanks. It's not unusual to see that there would be an overload, there would be a fluidity, there would be an imbalance in different areas of the pitch. An example that stands out to me is Chris Waddle. When Chris Waddle played for Newcastle, Newcastle played a 4-3-2 system. Chris Waddle, he was the other one. And what Chris Waddle would do was, Chris Waddle was given the freedom to choose which side to play on. Which wing he'd play on. And that depended on which fullback he perceived to be the weaker fullback. The fullback he would target. The Dutch side of Ronald Koeman right now, they tend to play beyond the confines of the 4-3-3 that we'd often see them set up with. Denzel Dumfries of PSV would start at right back. But more often than not, he'll push very high up the right. The Licht will compensate and kind of adjust himself just out to the right-hand side. Van Dijk will kind of keep a similar position on the left, beside Daly Blind, while Frankie de Jong will drop kind of just into a space just in front of those fullbacks, sorry, those centre-backs. And this is I'm kind of referring in particular to the Dutch game against Germany in the Euro Nations League last year. And the role of De Jong as well was to kind of thwart the presence of Leon Goretzka at the tip of the German diamond in midfield. What do you say, the tip of the diamond or the false nine? Up to you. Bergwijn and Quincy Promise, the Dutch wingers, they were often narrow, coming in quite tight behind Memphis Depay. This would create wide open channels down each flank for the fullbacks to play. Now in this game, Denzel Dumfries was able to pin back Nico Schultz, while on the left side, the Daily Blind kept a more disciplined position. He kind of he positions it more disciplined in line with the defence rather than being the marauding fullback of the energy with the energy that Denzel Dumfries would bring. When you look top down on this system, you could, some might say it's an asymmetrical four-two-four. With Wijnaldum and Darun, the only kind of out-and-out midfielders, the engine room of this team, Dumfries part of that front four, while De Jong dropping, for, dropping deeper into kind of that protective defensive midfield role, almost becoming an auxiliary centre-back. 
And what this shape has done for Holland in this game was it created 1v1s for them, which they deemed favourable. And it gave them 1v1 matchups in key locations. Dumfries against Schultz again, for example. And with the quick interchangeable play that they were able to facilitate from that narrowed front three, they got overloads centrally from players who would roam and players who are very, very similar in terms of their style of play, positioning and ability. Total football 2.0. Who knows? Pep Guardiola has also been a huge proponent of how asymmetry has developed in football. His use of the false nine with Lionel Messi initially allowed the likes of Henri and Etu to attack exposed defences. As central defenders might, you know, follow Messi in typical central defensive fashion, it creates spaces behind them and up between the fullback. Those channels that could be exploited by excellent strikers, quick strikers, in the way that Henri and Etu were. And given Henri's origin as a left-sided midfielder for Juventus in Monaco and the obvious goal-scoring conversion he had at Arsenal, it gives a very, very kind of interesting discussion and an interesting thought process of understanding a player's true qualities and how to maximise them in new ways. With Messi becoming the false nine, and Messi given the freedom to choose and find the space he play in, this allowed it to dictate the game from this new role. And then relations with the fullbacks often then would have an interesting uh, development in how this, the shape evolved. Dani Alvaz and Eric Abidal created asymmetry themselves in their movements. Alves often pushing very far forward. Some even saying as a forward. While Abidal will tuck in a little narrower to facilitate the onrushing Abidal. So, or the onrushing Alves. Something which we could see dating back to the Helenio Herrera style. Where one fullback tucks in and one fullback pushes on. And with the arrivals of Cesc Fabregas and Alexis Sanchez, the shape continued to evolve further, as further asymmetrical permutations were suddenly possible for this Barcelona side. A fluid set of movements, players who knew how to play football, understood what is expected of them in different areas, and able to maximise and capitalise in their creative ways. Going to Bayern, Guardiola brought this asymmetry as well. Where, again, we would see a marauding fullback. In some cases, that would be traditionally uh, Juan Bernat. But then often we'd see the rise of the inverted fullback or the inverted wingback. Such as Rafinha. Such as, possibly you could say, Philip Lam at times. When Lam wasn't deployed as a defensive midfielder linchpin. But an interesting discussion then. Just in the way Henri and Etu were used as these wide forwards. The questions then that linger about Thomas Muller. Did Guardiola get the best out of him? And since Guardiola has left, how have other managers not failed or failed to get the best out of him? 
The moniker often attributed to Thomas Muller is a ramdoiter, an investigator of space from out wide. He's not a traditional winger, and when he's played and tasked with that role, we can see that Muller has suffered. Especially that, you know, he hasn't got the pace, he hasn't got the attributes to be able to work up and down the sideline, to work up and down tracking fullbacks and wingbacks. Muller is a hard working player, and when you can when he can work hard and press high, win the ball closer to the opposition goal. That's often recently seen the best from him. And we've even now seen him deployed as a number 10. A foil for Robert Lewandowski. Lewandowski the hard-working central focal point of the Bayern attack. But with Müller playing in this number 10 role. Keeping him higher up the pitch. He's able to maximise his strengths. His inclination to find and position himself and get into space. And to use the space effectively against the opposition at Manchester City we, we see a similar trend existing inverted fullbacks create central overloads conventional wingers create an angled dynamic set of movement possibilities so you think of the way Sterling runs Sané runs and how effective they've been and it's often facilitated by the fullback Different combinations of players in different positions also allow new possibilities. At times at Manchester City, where they'd have uh, Fabian Delph and Oleg Zinchenko as their left-backs, different expectations and different possibilities existed with those two players, especially when paired with the likes of Leroy Sané in front. And a moniker, a tag, a description that I did see that existed as well in my research, was when Imeric Laporte was played at left-back. Because he took in, because his natural inclination was as a centre-back, was Laporte a false full-back? And is that a role that we could see come into football manager in future years? Hmm, I suppose we'll have to wait and see there. Asymmetry is something that's not uncommon for top teams to do. It's not uncommon for teams to try and force themselves onto others to f- and to negate an opposition's weakness. In a game against Sao Paulo, Jurgen Klopp's Borussia Dortmund, they changed the shape when in and out of possession. They forced opponents to one side of the pitch, who could and would press effectively. Klopp then had Socrates of Arsenal playing at right back in this game. So what he'd do is he'd force the play down the left, the opposition would see the space left out on the Dortmund right-hand side, and they'd switch St. Pauli to try and attack down their own left-hand side. But with these diagonal balls, they would underestimate the aerial abilities of Socrates, who would be able to read the ball and use that aerial force that he is to win the ball back, thus negating the effectiveness of the switch. So you're forcing opponents to play to your strengths and taking out theirs. And given the inexperience of some teams playing against such shapes, this was your strength as well. And what hybrid players in your sides, for example, wingers who can act as central attackers in your possession, all of a sudden your team is capable of new and greater ways of playing. You can cause an opponent to shift focus. And with an attacking fullback, all of a sudden you have a wide outlet 
and we can switch the play to enforce the opposition on the back foot. In the Champions League final last year, Tottenham tried this. Christian Eriksen starting on the right-hand side of midfield, but tucking in to form kind of a box of four in the middle of midfield alongside the attacking central attacking midfielder. Kieran Trippier then pushed out wide on the right, but unfortunately for Tottenham, not for Liverpool in this case, but unfortunately for Tottenham, they were not able to maximise the outlet that Trippier provided. David Beckham and Ryan Giggs, they played in a similar way with Manchester United in the late 90s, early 90s. Beckham, going back to that traditional kind of English way of playing, was a narrowed right-sided midfielder. Giggs, the more traditional out-and-out winger on the left. And with Beckham playing again almost as a de facto central midfielder on the right-hand side, when he made the move to Real Madrid and lined up as a central midfielder, I remember there was a little bit of shock at the time to think of David Beckham, one of the greatest right-sided midfielders of the time, suddenly being moved to the centre of midfield. He can't get a game on the right. As we saw, Beckham took to his new role with a plum, almost because he had been playing this way at Manchester United, just in a different style and just in a different way. And just within different confines placed on those, placed on that Manchester United team by those of us watching. So when it comes to these tactics, what attracts you or what puts you off asymmetrical football? Because like that, some people feel the balance isn't there. Black CFM had three great points. Effective use of players, as in my current MFC, Mikhailov save. You can see I simply don't have the right players to staff a symmetrical formation. Two, an asymmetric style asks questions of the AI, since the opposition will invariably set up symmetrically. And the third point is the aesthetics. It produces interesting patterns of play. And that is one of the key points. Because it's not unusual for teams to defend with a structure, a symmetrical structure. But given the natural talents of their players in attacking phases, to allow for certain freedom of movement to create a shape of their own asymmetrical football is not uncommon in attacking phases of football, in attacking patterns of football when analysed. If a winger tends to stay further forward and press less, often you'll see the central midfielder on that side try to accommodate and pick up the slack that that left-sided winger you know, puts on the team. But the workload is almost moved on to someone else, a more functional player. Depending on the opposition, the success of your symmetrical or asymmetrical style depends. If teams set up zonally or ball defending schemes, this will determine how you, how just how successful your team will be. In a zonal system, it's not uncommon for a team to maintain their shape, despite overloads being created against them in certain areas. But when you're playing against a team that's man marking, that's a man oriented defence. The 1v1 mismatches can easily be created using what you have to target opposition players who may not be able to cope in the ways with the questions you are asking. So how do I go on from here? How do I take this information? How do I take asymmetrical football and apply it to me? Well, no matter what, positions have always fit into a set, symmetrical, tactical, traditional shape for me. That's how I see football. That's how we, I suppose a lot of people like me have seen football. The average football fan. When I've looked at players' roles and the expectations on them, when I stepped back and thought about how I like to play, 
I've come to realise that, like FM Grasshopper said, an asymmetrical football in real life is almost nigh on impossible. But I am a more asymmetric than I ever considered or ever thought myself to be. Great football teams create space. And they create the conditions for the process to take place. Personnel selection began to display certain trends. And we can see that across football all along. We have these different expectations of players to play in certain positions. Trends. Like Spain, the attacking right back. In Italy, the left winger who plays as a left back. Personnel selection, you know, we often assume, we often see there is the, you know, the expectation, there is that stereotyping that like players on the left side of the pitch are often deemed to be more creative and better players for a team where on the right hand side you often get harder working players, players more for the graft, players who like that, even in England, tuck in a little bit narrow. Intentional asymmetry. Can be created to stymie the opposition, to negate their strengths. Even though that can be done through creative player selection as well, it takes a huge amount of detail to form them, to form these asymmetric shapes, to form these asymmetric plans, because they are not natural shapes. They are shapes with weaknesses that can be very easily exploited, if not carried out and planned and detailed in the right ways. Higher quality players can fulfil multiple roles in these systems. Because what asymmetry will, asymmetry will do is it will create overloads for you in multiple areas of the pitch. But it will also create underloads in others. You may struggle to maintain possession in some games. Key attacking players may not be able to penetrate the opposition. Who have stacked themselves in a way which negates your strengths. Asymmetry and asymmetrical football is more complex than the positional play that many teams favour. But no matter what, symmetry and symmetrical football does not equal balance. It is not essential to football. Balance is essential. To football. Balance is essential to a tactic, not symmetry. Teams are supposed to be balanced so that each zone of the pitch is covered by at least one player. By targeting an opponent's strengths or weaknesses, it's a simple way which a team can set up asymmetrically. But with a disciplined undertone to target the areas of your own game, which may be imbalanced in defensive scenarios. An asymmetrical attacking system can evolve from a symmetrical defensive position. Just like me, maybe it's time for you to take the plunge, to think deeper, reflect further, and see how your shape lines up, how your shape plays. And let's take the plunge together. Let's go further than we've ever gone. And let's embrace the chaos that is asymmetrical football. Or the, normal, the normality, the normalcy that is 
asymmetrical football. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why not leave us a positive review? Or share on your socials with your followers. Help our listener base grow. And thank you to all those people that have done in recent weeks. Liking, sharing, reviewing the podcast greatly helps us. Helps us become more discoverable. Helps the, everything grow. So thank you. If you want to get in touch, get in touch. Links are down below in the podcast notes. With the sources for all of the information that I was able to use on this week's pod. Down below as well you'll find a link to our site. The tech, FM technical area. That's my blogging home, Gaffer Grimo FM. You'll often see, you'll also see some links to the FM Book Club there as well. But more about that in a moment. We are the community. Using the hashtag is the best place to find community content. It's also the place I go to to gather inf- vital interactions for this podcast. So please get involved each week through votes on the polls, adding extra comments firing questions into me whatever it is every contribution is always welcome last week i did say i'd have the the book review up for the club that book about the premier league from its formation to the modern day i haven't gotten around to doing that yet but i will get a link to that out as well your recommendations your suggestions are also welcome fm tahiti i think it was said that i should read um gunshots and goalposts so that could be the next one i'll have to check amazon and see if i can get that down onto my kindle and start reading that now after the current book i am reading the music for this podcast comes from pond five so if you're looking for any podcast music or music background music for anything like that yourself Going to Pond5 can get you the license there. That is not an ad. That's just me telling you where I got it and why I got it from there. Before I say goodbye, I want to say thank you for listening. I want to say thank you for interacting, getting involved. And hopefully some of the ideas, hopefully you'll see that symmetrical football isn't, is not an ideology. That's not realistic. That's asymmetric football is actually the most common way to play the game. And maybe something we should embrace more. Maybe when we talk about tactics and football manager, we should do less with the numbers and more about what we want from our players. If we can get around that 140 or the 288 character limit that exists now on Twitter. But again, thank you for listening. Thank you for getting involved. Next week's podcast, I will be polling I will get things out. I have an idea in my head. So I'll do a bit of research over the weekend. So keep an eye on the socials on Monday. And come along, get involved and have your say. I hope you have a great weekend of FMing. I'll be able to find the time to, you know, examine things in a bit more detail than you have done before. As well as that, I hope you're able to enjoy some of the Bundesliga football as it returns. And as football returns. If you are one of those people out there working on the front lines, you're an essential worker, key worker, thank you. Thank you for what you've done during this time. I know it's not been easy. 
for all of you out there like me who are working from home or not working or whatever it is, we're all in this together. We are the community. So no matter what, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Keep safe. And keep finding ways as I tell the kids each day when I interact with them on Google Classrooms. Each day, find something new to accomplish. Set yourself a target when you get up every morning. So you want to accomplish something each day. Whether it's a new recipe, a new TikTok dance, or, you know, developing an asymmetric tactic in Football Manager. Have that bit of success in your day. So that each night when you go to sleep, you can feel like you've done something with your day. Keep safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.